The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. We're glad that you're joining us from really all over the world. Together we're going to study Psalm 29. Psalm 29, for those of you uh, present who don't have a copy of the scripture, there's one underneath a chair close by. We're on page 461 in the chair Bible. Uh, Psalm 29, in just a moment, I'm going to read it in its entirety. I've entitled this message, Sovereign King, the Ever Almighty that we have just sung about. So Psalm 29, invite you, if you would, to stand as I read the word of God. A Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Let's pray. Lord, we ask now that as we take up your word, that it will not be a light thing for our minds and hearts, that we would understand this is the word of God and that you have spoken clearly and plainly that you are God. You are the Lord. You are the sovereign king forever, yet you bless your people with peace. So grant it, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Derek Kidner said of this psalm, the towering majesty of the Lord dominates this poem. Eighteen times the word Yahweh, or capital L-O-R-D, Lord, the covenant-keeping one true God. In 11 verses, he's spoken of 18 times. I'm not going to take the time to walk you through it. I just want to say, if you'll indulge me, this is a beautiful poem. The structure, the tight way this is put together, the movement of how it operates, the way the language is parallel and in, and identifying what's being said is just absolutely breathtaking. It's a movement. You're moving from heaven to earth. The path used by David in the psalm is the path of a storm, and it makes its final transition from nature and uproar to the people of God at peace. Steve Lawson said, this this psalm is an argument against pagan gods who competed with one another over land and sea. 
The pagans that surrounded the people of Israel had a God for everything, the water, the sun, the mountains, the thunderstorm. What Psalm 29 is saying, the one true God, Yahweh, rules over all creation. Now, we're not surrounded by people who are claiming another God and a pantheon of gods. Some of you may argue with me afterwards and say, yeah, we are. We live in a pluralistic age. Let, let's, let's kind of peel the onion of the pluralistic age we live in. Here's what we're saying in pluralism. All religions are the, well, what's the logical conclusion if they're all the same? Then there is no religion. There's really not a God. Because these different religions who claim a God are claiming a very different God. You, you can't study them very long and say they're all the same. So these highbrowed people who want to look and say all religions the same, they're saying the same thing that's been said for centuries now, that religion's just the opiate of the people. It's just, it's just a way for us to satisfy ourselves, to make ourselves feel better. Well, brothers and sisters, that's not the conclusion of the Bible. The Bible speaks clearly one message of the one true God. And my desire today is to let the Bible speak and let the point of this psalm and really the point of scripture emerge. And that is this, that the Lord is the sovereign king over all. Now I use the word sovereign here. So I want to define what I mean by sovereignty as we move forward. And you'll find this definition in your growth group material for this week. That throughout the Bible, God is shown as the one who is king over all. He is the ruler over creation. He controls the entire course of nature and history. John Frame said it this way, quote, God always and without fail accomplishes his purposes. God always and without fail accomplishes his purposes. Now here's the problem I have preaching a message on the sovereign king is because in the culture that I'm preaching today, here's what we believe. Who's sovereign? We are. Now let's be more specific. It's not we. It's me. I am. Don't you tell me what to do. Now, what we're seeing around us, brothers and sisters, is a society of little sovereigns clashing into each other. So if we're all little sovereigns and we're all in charge and nobody can be told what to do, we're headed for chaos. Now, the Bible is teaching there's one who is sovereign. It is Yahweh. It is the Lord. Now, I realize what I'm preaching right here is not real popular. But I'm just going to let the Bible speak. Let's unfold it. This is a Psalm of David. Three things we're going to see. First, the Lord is the sovereign king over the heavens. The first stanza is directed to the heavenly beings. You see it in verse 1? Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. The image I get is from Isaiah 6, 
One called to another, one heavenly being called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So this is what's going on in the very presence of God. The declaration of the angels that, that God is holy and the whole earth is full of his glory. That these heavenly beings, David says, ascribe to the Lord. What does that mean? It means to assign what he deserves. It's repeated three times in these first two verses, the first stanza. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due his name. So this reveals the urgency, the necessity that we are to give to the Lord, to Yahweh, what he alone deserves, no one else. We ascribe to the Lord glory. The word means quite literally heaviness. We ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, his, his might, which is incomparable to anyone else. God does what he chooses to do. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Now, I'm going to be careful here. We're not assigning something to God that is not true. We are simply, when we ascribe to the Lord, we are recognizing what is already true of him. That he is glorious, that he is mighty. And when we assign, we ascribe these things to him which are true, it affects our hearts and our song and our prayer. So verse 2, we ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The heaviness due his name, meaning his reputation of who he is, of what he has accomplished in the past, of what he is doing now, and what he will do. Because of who he is, we, we glorify him. We worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We bow down, is what this literally means. To worship means to bow down to the magnificence of his otherness, his apartness. He's not like us. He's, he is separate from us. He is set apart. He is holy. And we come and bow down in the magnificence of who he is. Several years ago, I, I was reading a, a book on the nature of God, and it quoted a, a, a female lady theologian, Annie Dillard. And Annie Dillard, she wrote this in the 60s. She was writing about how people come to church. Women wore hats at that point, fancy dresses. Men wore expensive suits. And she said, if, if we really understood who we are calling on, instead of fancy hats and expensive dresses and suits, we'd be passing out flares and life preservers on the way in because this God may awaken. He may reveal himself. Psalm 96, Pastor Scott read earlier, uses almost the same language, but it makes an appeal not to the heavenly beings. The appeal is to us. Hear it again. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. That's human beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, identical. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
tremble before him all the earth. Tremble before him. Brothers and sisters, I, I, I think we have so weakened who God is in our own minds. We have so weakened God culturally. In fact, I, I prayed and thought this all week and right before I got up to preach, even for the third time, I had this thought. People are gonna push back to what the Bible clearly says about God. You know why? We want a manageable deity. We want a God who does what we want him to do. We don't want a God who does what he wants to do. The God of the Bible, we should tremble before him. Now, as, as David is calling for that now in Psalm 29, though he doesn't say it that way exactly, he's going to use an illustration. And what you're going to see now is that the Lord is the sovereign king, not only over the heavens, but over all creation. And he's going to use reason and evidence that demands praise for the sovereign king. Now, I want you to just look quickly from verse 3 to 9 and look for the repetition. You're going to see it right away. Look for the repetition. You see it? What is it? The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. Now, before we study this, let's go back to the very first page. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. This has got to be in our minds as we approach the rest of the scripture. Somebody asked me last week, if, if you had three minutes to explain somebody the gospel, what passage would you, would you use? I said Genesis chapter one. That's probably gonna shock some of you. Here's why. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God, what? Said, let there be light, and there was light. The voice of God spoke. Now, if that's true, we've got a God to deal with here. We have a Lord. Uh, uh, the, the covenant-keeping God that we've, we've, we've got something now to do with. If, if he's the one that's spoken in existence, but all right, let's just step aside here and be honest. Many of you in this room have said, okay, well, you know, it's, we, we're now scientific. We got it all figured out. This, this evolved. This is how it all came to be. It's millions and millions of years old. We can work all this out. We can set that aside. Hey, just, even if, if you're going to hold to the millions and your scientific evidence and all that, where'd the uncaused calls come from? How'd it all get started? In the beginning, God. And God spoke. And with that in mind, we go back to Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. Now, I don't know if you've ever been at Niagara Falls or a powerful waterfall. You've been somewhere where a river was flooding. The, the power of the water is awesome just to look at, but the sound of the water is overwhelming. So you need to get the power of the water. So think of those video clips you've seen of the tsunami sweeping into Japan, just overtaking everything that was in its path. And the scripture's saying that that the voice of the Lord is over. So, so as powerful as water can be, 
as, as thundering as it can be, he's Lord over that. His, he's the voice who speaks over that. Verse four, understatement. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The capacity of power. Psalm 33, just a couple pages from Psalm 29, verse eight. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants stand in awe of him. So again, we got this trembling idea before the great God. Why? Verse nine, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. So when we look at what God has created from his voice, what he has spoken in the creation, when we, when we read the word of God and hear God speaking, it is full of majesty. That means it inspires all. It should capture us. Now what he's going to do, he's going to let an image overshadow, if you will, how he's going to explain this powerful voice of God. And what's, what's, what's behind verses five through nine is a powerful storm, a big thunderstorm or, or a hurricane. So anybody that's ever witnessed something like this, the images he's drawing on is what you would see in a moment like that. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. So Hurricane Hugo came through here. So there was this lady at the grocery store. We had a little conversation. She basically was saying we were all stupid because we were getting water back in the fall. You know, I'm from Florida. You people don't know what a hurricane is. I said, oh, yes, ma'am, we do. One hit here. And I remember standing in the bedroom window, awestruck as it snapped oak trees in half, like they were matchsticks. Now, this says the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Those of you going, cedars, you know, that's a little spindly, ugly trees, you know, out in front. Now, you got to go to Lebanon and see a cedar. So the flag of Lebanon has a cedar tree on it. So a cedar in Lebanon is between 130 and 150 feet tall, and it's eight feet in diameter at its stump. This is a massive tree. And it breaks, the voice of the Lord breaks. So just like the wind is snap over a tree, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. He breaks the cedars of Lebanon. So we're up north above Israel. Semi-sidebar. I love how Spurgeon sees things with word pictures. He says, the gospel of Jesus Christ has like dominion over the most inaccessible of mortals. When the Lord sends the word, it breaks the heart of the stoutest more than a cedar. Praise God. That he has broken my heart. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. Now, now, those of you who didn't grow up around a farm or animals, you need to Google this this afternoon. Skipping calf. Just be ready for a giggle. All right? So here's the image. You know, it seems repetitious. Lebanon here is probably referring now to Mount Lebanon. I know for sure that Syrian is is speaking of Mount Hermon, the, the highest mountain that stays covered in snow almost all year round in its top. So here's what he's saying. 
that God's voice is so powerful, he makes these big, massive mountains skip like a baby calf. Now, what does all this mean? If you go to Isaiah chapter 2, there's an explanation of what we're talking about with these massive trees and mountains being snapped and skipping. Isaiah 2, verse 12. For the Lord of hosts has a day. There's a day coming. There's a storm coming. Against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, it shall be brought low. Against the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up. Against the oaks of Bashan, against the lofty mountains, against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower and every fortified wall, against the ships of Tarshish, against the beautiful craft, and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Now, I'm not gonna turn over there, but you can later today write this in your notes. You go over there and look in Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus comes again, and written on his side, King of kings and Lord of lords, it says from his mouth is coming the word that's gonna strike down the nations. This day's coming. You may think you're something now, but you're going to snap like a cedar. He's the Lord. Verse 7. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. Okay, now, in a storm, what's the image? It needs to come to your mind. Lightning. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. All right, so it's sudden, it's, it's powerful, it's quick. So take you back to my bedroom. Look out the window of my bedroom. Trees, behind the trees, Baker's Mountain. And I used to love to watch the evening thunderstorms. They come from the west, that was west out of my bedroom. And when it would light up, you could see the outline of the mountain when, when the Lightning would light up. It was a beautiful thing to watch. And I'm laying there on the edge of my bed looking out the window and lightning hits the oak tree across the road. First of all, the thunder was instantaneous. It shook the house. And it struck me blind for about 30 seconds. I was somewhere between 12 and 13. I'm screaming for my mama like I'm five years old. I mean, it scared me. I couldn't see a thing. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. Power. Now, I can't leave this because this has intrigued me all week. It just has to bring to your mind what happened in Acts chapter 2. That as the Spirit of God descends on the people of God at Pentecost, what descends on them? Tongues of fire. And what is the outcome of once the Spirit of God descends on them? They speak the word with boldness. There's a connection, but that's another sermon. I continue. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness and shakes, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Now we've moved south. So the storm has moved from Lebanon down south below Jerusalem into the desert or into the wilderness. 
And as the thunder shook the wilderness, or possibly even talking about an earthquake, there's a shaking that's moving south. This is so powerful, verse 9, that it says, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. So you've all been somewhere where it thundered and everybody went quiet. Well, this is so overpowering that this deer, which is not full term, goes into labor and gives birth. It strips the forest bare. The year or the week before I got married in Toluca, if you know where Toluca is, that's close to Kayser. A, a tornado went through there and it was a big, massive ranch house that set off Highway 18. When that tornado came through, it came across a ridge and it totally sucked that house up. There was nothing left but the concrete pad and one pipe sticking out of the concrete went across a little valley and then got in a pine thicket and it looked like somebody had taken a hundred yard lawnmower and went right down the middle of that pine thicket. Nothing. Then it lifted up and that was it. Just the evidence of stripping something bare, even, even though I wasn't there, just standing and looking at that was awestruck. Now, all these images... Now you're outside, you move inside. Look, look how verse nine shifts. In his temple, this thought of the voice of God with this imagery of a storm causes everyone to cry, glory. Now what kind of response is that? That is a response of humility. It's a response of, of joy that, that, we, that we can glorify this God. Now verse 10 sums it up. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The, the Lord sits enthroned as king forever. It's very interesting. The word for flood in verse 10 is only used one other in one other place in the Bible, and that's between Genesis 6 and 11. This is a very distinct word for the flood that happened with Noah. So what it's saying is Yahweh is Lord. He is sovereign over the flood that destroyed the earth. And the same God who is Lord over that flood sits enthroned as king, how long? Forever. Exodus 15, 18, your growth group text says, the Lord will reign forever and ever. Let's go back to our definition. God always and without fail accomplishes his purposes. Now, here's the gospel, friends. Here's the gospel. The Lord is the sovereign king over his people. May the Lord give strength to his people. It is by God and God alone that we have strength. God is opposed to the who? Proud. He gives grace to the humble. When we are weak, then he is strong. This is how it works. God, God pushes back to the arrogant. He strengthens his people who look to him for daily bread, for daily life, and who look to him for the bread of life, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12, may, or verse 11, end of it. May the Lord bless his people with peace. May the Lord bless his people. Now make sure you see this. This is what he gives to his people. Peace, 
One of the old German theologians said, the word peace is like a rainbow over Psalm 29. So what does he mean? And the Lord blesses people with peace. Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now we ratchet ahead. John chapter 1. The word, what? Became flesh. God spoke among us. The Prince of Peace came and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. John 1 says, even his own rejected him and did not receive him. The Prince of Peace who came to this earth, who lived a sinless life, was rejected by his people and treated as a criminal, as a sinner. And he was condemned to a cross. And he hung there and died in your place. And here's what he took. The wrath of God. He took what you and I deserved. He took it upon himself and died in our place. He was buried and three days later, he rose again. Romans chapter four explains how the cross and the resurrection come together. And then in chapter five, verse one, here's what it says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we're not justified by anything we do. We are justified by believing and trusting in Christ alone. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means, brothers and sisters, that those of you who trust in Christ, who have repented of your sin and trusted in Christ alone for your salvation, you will not face the fury of this God who will break down the cedars of Lebanon. When you in humility come and trust in Christ and repent of your sin, you will face this God in peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor James Johnston, who pastors in the Midwest, shared this story after an F5 tornado had hit Joplin, Missouri. He and a team from his church went to do disaster relief and they were assigned a house to help. He said as they stood on the street, half of the house was gone. It was gone. So imagine what I'm talking about. That There's just nothing. And then half the house is just standing there. He said literally from the street, you could see the back of the kitchen. You could see the cabinets still against the wall. He said what was still more amazing when we went into the kitchen, just from the yard, didn't go through the house, above the sink was a shelf. And on that shelf, the lady had collected little fragile glass hummingbirds. And there they sat intact. And Pastor Johnson said when he stood there, he said, that's us. That's us. When Revelation 19 goes down, when God, Christ comes in all of his glory, 
That's us. Protected, intact, because we have trusted in Christ and the power of God in salvation for our souls. So what do we do then, brothers and sisters? What do we do as, as, as people who, who have come to know this God whose steadfast love endures forever? Here's what we do. We ascribe to the Lord, the sovereign king, the glory due his name. First Chronicles chapter 16. It's to your left. Job, a couple little short books. Second Chronicles is a big book. Then First Chronicles chapter 16. Let me give you some context. Need to help you Baptists out. The Ark of the Covenant is brought into Jerusalem to be placed in the tent of meeting. David is so overwhelmed with the glory of God, he dances his way into Jerusalem. It upset all the Baptists in town. They got real upset. He was so overcome with the glory of God, they, they brought the Ark, placed it in the tent, and then David sang this song. And it sounds very similar to Psalm 29. I'm actually going to start back in verse 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be held in awe above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God, of our salvation and gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said amen and praised the Lord. So let us say with David, save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather and deliver us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name. Let's pray. Father, as we come now to respond to your word, I pray that it will not be a ho-hum moment for us, that it will not be a going through the motions moment but Lord, that we would consider what we have heard from your word and that we would respond accordingly. That we truly will say, worthy are you. You are worthy of your name. There is no one like you. You are the God who saves. You have redeemed a people who have gathered in this room. And I pray that now they would glorify you. And for those whom you have called out today, you have made clear the gospel. I pray now that you'd give them courage to step forth and let that be known, that they would repent of their sin and turn to Christ and trust you today. Lord, lead us now as we sing, as we worship, and as we respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.